Good morning, my friends, and welcome to Lord's Day Live. Thank you for being here. Yep, yep, yep. It's time for Doodle Bible School. Thank you for being along this morning. I am grateful for your presence. It's cold here in Northeast Arkansas. I've got the heater on right over there. Believe it or not. Yesterday, I think we had the air conditioner. I know we did. We had the air conditioner on. Today, I got the heater on. What in the world? Doodle Bible School. Showing the glory of God as we doodle various things. And you could doodle a falling leaf from a tree today as a representation of I see God. You know what's happening because it's cold here in Northeast Arkansas. Change of seasons shows us God. As we're doodling through the Bible, we're in the book of Genesis and a lot of good things are happening. I'm glad you're with me. We're in chapter 42 of the book of Genesis today. It's going to be good. First thing we do. Basic Bible, I remind you of that, and I tell you that that's where we're at. I guess I already done did that. And then, here it is, first thing we do. There is number one. See the big one there? Do the doodle, which means you need to get your doodleator out and your doodle out here, and we will get after it. All right. By way of review, notice that we've covered thus far in this segment, or in this uh, semester, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. 41, and now we're into 42, and I blew up the picture here for you. I'm not real good with camels. <laughs> I don't know whether you are or not, but we got to do a camel today. Uh, Joseph's brothers are going to go to Egypt in our story today because there's a famine in the land, and Dad said, hey, I heard that they've got grain down there in Egypt. You boys go down there and get us some. And so 10 of the brothers are going to go down there, 10. There's 12 altogether. That means little brother Benjamin's going to stay home. Joseph's already down there. They think he's dead, but they're going to meet him. Cool story, chapter 42. All right, here you go. You can see the four. The four is the camel, right? And uh, I don't know whether I can even do this or not. We're going to, let's just go ahead and make us a four here. How do you make a four? I'm not doing that very good. Four is this way. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe I need to do it this way. Let's go. Let's go with this. All right, that's a four. Now we'll turn it. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what he did? No, he's got it backwards, doesn't he? I don't know exactly what Gabriel did there. Is it this way, maybe? <laughs> maybe it's this way. I don't know. Gabriel, what in the world? How is that four? I think what he did is he, he, he did it kind of backwards, like this. <laughs> is that what you see? Because there's, see, there's the neck. You see? And there's the first leg, and then you got the belly coming down here. Here's the second leg. Oh, we got to give him a hump, right? You know, and then you got that pack, right? <laughs> Gabriel, that's kind of crazy. But anyhow, that's your four. It's a upside down and backwards four. <laughs> but you can remember it. Hey, let's give him a smile because he's he's really happy. Don't not donkey. What is he? He's a camel. All right. And then of course you got your two. You remember how we do the two, right? You just square it off like that. Remember? Take out the middle. Oops, my finger won't take it out of there. I got a greasy middle there. All right. Oh, and he's got a he's got an arrow here. I forgot about that. Oops. It's pointing, and it's pointing over here to Joseph's shirt. Remember that? Or coat, I should say. Coat of many colors. That means that they are going to take a camel, go whoop, to Joseph, even though they don't know they're going to Joseph. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. That's kind of a lousy rendition, but we did the best that we could. Was your picture any better than mine? I'm still trying to get over the crazy camel. Gabriel, what in the world? See, I think if his, his head had been over here, maybe, I don't know if that would have worked either. Anyhow, we got a, our camel, the four in our camel is upside down and backwards. <laughs> but maybe that'll help you to remember it. Because I think there's a camel in next week's thing too. But anyhow, there you go. 42. That is Genesis 42. Look, I'm going to put it right up here because half of the times I don't remember. <laughs> Looky there. Isn't that so wonderful? All right, did you guys get it? Joseph's brother's going to take the old camels and they're going to pedal down there to Egypt to see their brother that they don't know is even alive. <laughs> and they probably won't do much pedaling because camels don't seem to have any pedals. <laughs> I rode one. One time, yeah, my dad and mom took me to Israel back in the day and I got to ride one and it didn't have any pedals. All right, here we go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> I got something right in there. 42, chapter. <laughs> can you tell me the theme? Yes, you can. <clears throat> Joseph's brothers are going to go to Egypt. And can you doodle the clue? Well, I hope you can do better than mine. I don't know. It looks like he's got five legs there. Four legs, three legs. Let's take that off. Maybe let's square that off a little bit. And that'll make it look more like a a saddlebag there. How's that? Is that any better? Oh, that's a pretty sad camel. Anyhow, there you go. Uh, can you doodle the picture? Sure you can, right? <laughs> I mean, any, you got to be able to do better than that, right? Okay. <laughs> Our first silly of the day. What kind of award do dentists receive? Your favorite dentist. If he was going to get a reward, an award, from somebody, what kind of award would a dentist receive? Well, I'll tell you. They would receive a little plaque. <laughs> you know, plaques, that stuff you get in your teeth, they would get a little plaque. <laughs> See, he laughed and I did too. I don't think you're laughing as hard as you should. <clears throat> Segment number two, let's make a memory and let's challenge ourselves to stick it right in the old gourd there and make sure it sticks right in the old gourd. You got it? Okay, we're going to stick it in the gourd. <laughs> Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 42, verse 3 is going to be your memory verse. I would like for all of you to send your accolades to Sonny Childs because you'll notice that it's a very short verse. And I chose it for you because I'm like on your side. It's just a shorty. So then, I mean, the first line's got two words. And all together, it's only five letters. So then, so then, so then, so then, so then. I think you got the first line. All you got to do is say each line five, ten, five times. So then, to Joseph's of Joseph's brothers, <laughs> I've already helped you memorize it incorrectly. Why do I teach this class? I do not know. Let's start again. It doesn't say so then, does it? <laughs> You're probably sitting there saying, Sonny, what in the world? And I'm saying to myself, Sonny, what in the world? And now that we what in the world, let's go back. It's so ten. Not so then, so ten, so ten, so ten, so ten, so ten. That's important because that's how many brothers are going. I already told you that, right? So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Wow. You probably got so then stuck in your head, and that's not even going to work. Don't put that on the final test. Mom is going to say it's wrong. So ten. That's ten. All the fingers you got in your hands, ten of them. So ten. Got it? So 10. 
All right, I'm sorry I messed that up. Now, if you can't do it that way, go ahead and leave some blanks. <laughs> it's probably a good idea that I left that particular blank because I didn't even do it right in the first one. That one's 10. I know that one is. So 10. Because <laughs> I finally drilled that into my <laughs> head. You know that picture of the gourd here? The guy with the, that was me. We're stuck it in there. And I think we've stuck it pretty good. It's not so then, it's so 10. You got it? Okay. <coughs> now, if I were going to test you over segment number two, here's what I would ask. How many of Joseph's brothers went to Egypt to buy grain? Then. <laughs> so then. <laughs> oh, dear. So 10. So we know that one, right? And so you ought to at least get one question right on your test. <laughs> I bet you'll get more than that because you're like crazy smart. I know you are. Oh, you got to love that water. All right, moving on. Oh, there's my buddy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I love this guy because unlike the furball, the last joke that we have, this guy actually likes me. Look at the smile on his face. He's trotting to us because he can't wait for the silly to happen. You know what I'm saying? I like this guy. You need to meet my friend furball. He's a grump, but I bet you can make him happy. Anyhow, let's go with a little joke here. I'm going to get our silly camel, sad silly camel, out of the way here. All right, we got him out of the way because I think something might show up there. I'm not sure. I can't remember. <laughs> with what do polar bears make their beds? <clears throat> if you were a polar bear and you just got out of bed this morning and your mama polar bear, polar, can't even say it. And your mama polar bear said to you, Son, go make your bed. Or daughter, depending upon who you are, go make your bed. With what would you use to make your bed? Was that even a proper sentence? With what would you use? I don't think that was. What would you use to make your bed if you were a polar bear? Well, I'll tell you. They would use sheets of ice and a blanket of snow. And there he is. Don't you know? <laughs> I made up that little rhyme just now out of my head. So if you're a polar bear and you want to make your bed, you're going to use sheets of ice and a blanket of snow because they live up there in a cold. Did I tell you it's cold this morning? Yeah, first day of the year I've had to put, well, I don't know about that. Probably back in January I did too. But anyhow, this fall, I got my heater on because I'm not a polar bear and I don't want sheets of ice and a blanket of snow. Not on my bed. No, no, no. <laughs> There's another rhyme. I am so good at this. I might just become a poet. No, let's not do that. All right, segment number three. Ponder the passage. Sit by a pond and ponder. Hum. Sit by a pond and do the hum. There you go. Humming at the pond. We're going to ponder a passage here. <clears throat> All right, here's what we're pondering. Genesis chapter 42, and you'll notice I skipped around a lot because I just don't have enough space up here on the screen. But I'm trying to summarize the chapter. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. He was one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and they bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Now, you're going to see here in just a moment, they don't recognize that Joseph is Joseph. Okay, He's probably got all the, well, back in the day, it seemed like they shaved their head and everything. So he's probably, he probably looks like an Egyptian. Okay, walks like an Egyptian, talks like an Egyptian, etc. But anyhow, they don't recognize him. But they come in because he's the powerful guy, right? He's the guy who's going to let him buy grain or not. And so they bow themselves before Joseph. That's going to come up here later. Joseph saw his brothers, and he did recognize them. <clears throat> but he treated them like strangers. Why do you suppose he did that? 
treated them like strangers. I think the whole passage deals with the idea of him testing his brothers to see if they've had a change of heart. And if you stick around for the sermon segment after this one, that's exactly the theme that we're going to talk about during the sermon segment. And so he treated them like strangers, and he spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. I already told you that. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Now, what do you suppose prompted in his head to think of the dreams when he saw his brother? Remember one of his dreams? Was you one day are going to bow down to me. And they made fun of him. In fact, they hated him. That's one of the reasons they sold him off into Egypt, because they hated those dreams. They hated the fact that he was his daddy's favorite son and all that kind of They hated that, right? So Joseph now is remembering what God had promised all those years ago. I tell you, it would have been a good question for this one. It's not your discussion question or your, your question to write me a little paragraph. It's not. But a good question for this one would be, you know, do you ever have to wait on God a long time? Joseph did. On the third day, <clears throat> Joseph said to them, because Joseph has kept him for three days now. And he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Do this and you're, you'll live, for I fear God. If you're an honest man, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine for your how to, uh, of your households. And bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. They've already told him that they got a younger brother back home. And uh, so Joseph said, I want, to, I want to see this kid because the younger brother would have been his full brother and uh, named Benjamin. And uh, Joseph really would like to be reunited with Benjamin. And so he, they say to him, hey, uh, or he says to them, here's what we're going to do. You want to prove that you're not spies, that you didn't come down here with nefarious motives? Well, here's what we're going to do. You go back home and bring your little brother down here. And that'll prove that you are true men. Meantime, I'm going to keep one of you here with me. Verse 24. Then he turned away from them and he wept. In between these two passages is a story where Joseph hears them over talking. They don't think that they that Joseph can understand them, okay, because they're speaking a different language. And so they're talking amongst themselves and they begin to say, you know, this, this whole bad stuff is coming on us because of Joseph, who we years ago sold into slavery and they believe now is dead. Now, they don't even know that Joseph's listening. But anyhow, Joseph overhears that, and so it really breaks his heart. He turns away and he weeps because they evidently have had some level of a change of heart. And he returned to them, and he spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them, and he bound him before their eyes. So Simeon's going to be the one that's going to stay. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags, but watch this, fill their bags with grain, and to replace every man's money in his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. So Joseph was very much kind to them. Even though he's speaking harshly to them up here because he's testing them, even though he's keeping Simeon behind, all of that kind of, he loved his brothers. And so he's going to send, they're not even going to pay for what they got. He's sending their money back. And they're going to have provisions for the journey. Joseph loved his brothers. But there's your five questions that you're going to have. In fact, let me just do this, and then you'll see what the questions are for the final test here. Okay, segment number three, final test. Here you go. What did Joseph's brothers do when they approached him? They bowed, remember? How did Joseph treat his brothers? Okay, you got all those questions? Let me step aside. I'll get another drink while you take a screenshot of that. 
because those are going to be on the final test. On the final test, they will be on the final test, so get them down right now. That one didn't rhyme. I was working on it in my head, but it didn't come out as a rhyme, and I'm sorry. I, I failed you there. Let's be funny. What do snowmen call their children, their kids? If you were a snowman or a snowwoman, depending upon your gender, and you had children, what would you call them? What do snowmen call their kids? Well, clearly they call them children. Because <laughs> it's chill. Children inside. See, look, here's Mrs. Snowman and Mr. Snowman, and they've got children because they're chilly. <laughs> Not the kind you eat chili. You eat chili on a chilly day. Do you ever think about that? You eat chili on a chilly day to get yourself warm during a chilly time. Why do they call it chili? Why don't they call you? Why don't they call it warm me up? Chili isn't chili. If chili's chili, it's gross. Nobody wants to eat chili chili. You want to eat hot chili. It doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Anyhow, if you are a snowman or a snowwoman and you have children, don't forget to call them children. <laughs> segment number four. What we do in segment four is we apply it. Doing, doing, doing. We apply the why. We say to ourselves, why do we even need to know what's happening in Genesis chapter 42? Well, I'm fixing to tell you. Here you go. Genesis chapter 42 is a very important chapter. And in chapter 42, we're going to see a lot of stuff. But here's one of the things that I really identified with. He's going to say to his brothers who don't know that they're his brothers yet, hey, bring your youngest brother to me. I want to talk to my little brother, even though they don't know yet. They will next chapter, but not yet. Why was it important for Joseph to see his younger brother? Why do you think he wanted to do that? Hey, do you have any siblings? I get it. Because I've got a little sister, and I was mean to her when I was growing up. I teased her so much. Oh, man, I made her so angry at me at times. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sandy, for all the teasing that I did back in the day. She still loves me. I don't know why, but she still loves me. But if you've got a sibling, I know probably you fight and you argue and all those kind of things. But you know one thing about my little sister, Sandy? I can tease her, but don't you dare make fun of my sister. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What is it about having siblings like that? Well, my question for you is, would you want to see them, your sibling, after being gone from home for so long? Joseph left when he was about 17. And this is happening when he's at least 30. And so he's been gone for over 10 years. Would you want to see your sibling if you hadn't seen them in over 10 years? Or if you've been gone from home and hadn't seen any family like that in 10 years? Scholars are divided as to whether or not Benjamin was actually born before Joseph leaves. I kind of think he was. But either way, he finds out he's got a brother. He wants to see this little guy, who's probably not very small at this point. Here's your question, though, that you're going to have to answer. What makes family members so uniquely special? Now, the word uniquely means that they are unlike other people. You know, you got good friends at school, let's say. And they're maybe they're really good friends, but they're not your sibling. What is it that makes family members so uniquely special? Maybe you got good friends that, uh, you know, you play with on the playground, or good friends that you hang out with, you know, when you go out, or whatever, depending upon your age. It's that, you know, but they're not family. What makes family members so uniquely special? That's your question. And I, it's going to show up here, I promise you. Here we are, segment number four. It's going to, boop, boop, boop. Watch this. 
What makes family members so uniquely special? I told you it would happen. And one of the things is, I try not to lie. Sometimes I make a mistake, but I'm not going to tell you a lie. Okay? And look at there. I didn't lie. There it is. Right there. D yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just a short answer is all we need. Don't write me a book or your parents a book. They don't need a book, but they do need a short answer on what makes family members so uniquely special to you. You want to be silly one more time? <laughs> Remember our little wiener dog is so happy? This next guy, he's not. We're going to open the blinds, and Mr. Grumpy's going to be there. Here we go. What did I tell you? Furball the Grump. That's what we're going to call you. Furball the Grump. What do you call a snowman's dog on a warm day? <laughs> did anybody notice we seem to be on a theme of snowmen? Maybe it's because it's the first day when I've really been cold and had to turn the heater on. I don't know. But what if you got a snowman and the snowman's got a dog, but it's a very warm day? What do you call a snowman's dog on a warm day? I'll tell you what you call him. You call him a slush puppy. That's what you call him because it's a warm day. He's a slush puppy. Not a hush puppy. A slush puppy. You got it. Yeah, okay. You're nuttier than peanut butter. Well, Furball, you need to have an attitude adjustment. And he said, but he doesn't even like peanut butter, so I guess he doesn't like me, but I like him. <laughs> Do you like him? We need to somehow get that guy to smile. You know what I'm saying? All right, segment number five. We're going to test you. <laughs> she doesn't care for the test. Maybe you look like her, but I don't know why, because you guys have got this in your head. You're like crazy smart. All right, you ready? I'm going to push the button. When I do, guess what's going to happen? Right there. You are going to have the questions. So get yourself ready to snapshot those suckers. Look, we're in chapter 39. <laughs> not, no, we are. That's not right. We're in test number 39, not chapter 39. We're moving right along. We've had a lot of tests that one. But anyhow, there you go. We're in chapter 42, not 39. There you go. There they are. Did you get them? <laughs> I'm going to do the Vanna White thing. <laughs> I'm not as pretty as she is. But anyhow, I never said I was pretty. I never said I was a poet. But I don't know it, but I'm a poet. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it wasn't a very good one, but I tried. Did you get them? Okay. You know what I'm going to do while I do this? <laughs> no, while I do it. While you do that. All right. You got them? Thanks for being here. I love you. Sonny Chow saying what? Why, 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 why? Be there, Matthew 16, 26. Well, this little guy says, that was really fun, Sonny. He says, that was really great. And I say to yourself, thank you, sir. I appreciate you for saying that to me. If you guys thought it was worth your time and you had a pretty good time as we study chapter 42 of the book of Genesis. Would you consider adding us to your missions giving so we can continue to produce this good stuff and put it out there for the world so the world can have it? No, it's this one. That's the way he did it. I see I'm trying to be the little guy. Do I look like him? Is that old? Guys, it's time to have a a moment of prayer, and as we consider prayer and what it can do in our world, there are a lot of things we need to talk about today. I'm going to start off with some of the lesser ones, but uh, 
Support for the Restoration School of Biblical Studies. Here's a picture taken just a couple days ago, and uh, we were at the salvage yard and trading in some metal. Got $60.80 so that we can put it towards the ministry and continue to support our missionaries. Got three missionaries. Uh, let's see, one in India, one in Kenya, and one in Uganda, and we're hoping to add a fourth in Kenya, and pray about that if you will, but Pray that this, this work will continue and that we will have the scrap metal that we need. Uh, presently, we're just taking from the scrap metal that uh, my son, oldest son, Bryson, had collected during his working with his company. And, and thankfully, he just kind of sets it there and we're allowed to come and get it. And we traded in and we were able to do that. So I'm really thankful for, for Bryson. But uh, if you happen to live in our area, within, let's say, 30 miles of me, and you got an old refrigerator or something like that you want me to pick up, let me know. Uh, and uh, I'm just a one-man show. Cindy will come with me, but she I don't let her lift on too much. And uh, so if I can shove it into the back of my truck, we can do it. Uh, metal items, I'd appreciate your support with regards to that. But there you go. Isn't she sweet? Yeah, she is. I know she is because that's my wife. I love her. All right. Friend who has a large kidney stone, in fact, I think today or tomorrow they're planning to remove that uh, or, or they're planning to have a laser surgery on that. And she's had been in a lot of pain. I understand she's doing a lot better now, but if you would remember my friend who's in the hospital right now with that. The trip to Kenya, uh, my boys are hoping to go in March if the world doesn't inflame itself in war, uh, as most of you are aware, and we're going to talk about that in the next uh, thing. But uh, the trip to Nairobi, if you would, <clears throat> be in prayer about that. And my boys, as they go over there in March, they're going as kind of a research trip, trying to set things up so that we will be able to have a, we're calling it a restoration retreat in Nairobi, God willing, in September or October of 2024, and I hope to go and to, to, to be there for that. One of our dear, dear friends and students, this guy lives in Uganda. He contacted me this past week. He said, he said, Brother Sonny, please forgive me. I haven't been able to answer my questions this week because my little girl has been in the hospital. Pretty serious. She's got malaria. And uh, he's really concerned for her. And I said, yes, sir, man, I, I get that. You you take care of her and we'll be praying. And so Bisatu, if you are watching, and he does watch these, if you are watching, we are praying that your, your little girl will be in the hands of God and that he will take care of her as he see, sees fit. So I'm praying for you and your wife and your sweet daughter. So remember Bisatu. All right, folks, here's a big one. <clears throat> as most of you know, um, just... Uh, what was it yesterday? I guess it was um, in our time zones. Uh, yesterday, Israel was attacked by Hamas. And uh, I understand that uh, there have been hundreds killed, thousand, over a thousand wounded. Uh, and uh, they have, have captured, Hamas has captured many. And I'm told from reports this morning that they've evidently captured some Israeli Americans as well. Anyhow, as the world explodes over there in the Middle East, uh, I, I would just ask that you continue to pray that God would have his will, etc. But also that we would remember that our president, just a few weeks ago, released $6 billion of frozen assets that Iran had. He, he released them to Iran. And uh, it's, it's not at all remarkable. It's not hard to connect the dots that just a few weeks later, now we've got Israel being attacked by Hamas, which is largely supported by Iran. And, you know, I'm telling you, he's just an incompetent individual, I believe. And I believe we're being punished. I believe the Biden administration is a punishment upon America because 
of our failure to actually honor God and put Him first. But I want to make a sobering, if you will, a sobering application to you. Folks, as the world erupts into, world, into war, I believe world conditions suggest that it's time for more than corporate Christianity. It's, it's time for you to do more than just go sit in a pew facing the back of the head of the fellow in front of you. It's time for you to gather your family together in an intimate moment right there in your own living room and seek the face of God. Ask for the blessing of God on your family because I'm not just praying for Israel. I'm also preparing for us. As you see what's happening in our world, not just with regards to the social ills of, you know, pedophilia and the, 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 those who are engaged in homosexuality and, and on and on down, the, the, the slaying of, of infant babies in the womb. On and on you go with this. You've got to ask yourself, how much longer can God possibly stand behind America? And one of these days is coming to you. It's coming to me. And if we have been those who are just, we content ourselves with a couple hours a week, we show up in that that vanity building, you know, and we sit in pews facing the back of the head of the fellow in front of us, looking at the lofty podium, thinking that that pays off God, it don't. We are called 24-7 to be passionate about God and what He desires in our life. And I'm calling you, as a Christian, to consider where you're at this morning. Are you truly passionate, or are you just going through the motions? I posted this this morning. I'm hoping several will, will forward that and share that because I'm telling you, folks, we're in a world of hurt. And the church, I believe most of us in the church, are like the five foolish virgins. And there's coming a time, and it's coming pretty quick, when there ain't going to be no more time to buy oil. Are we preparing? Election season election season's upcoming. I don't know that we can, we can survive another four years of Biden. So would you please be in prayer that America will repent, and it's got to start with Christians who are complacent and convenient in their Christianity, that we will repent and that we'll have those who, were, who lead us who actually fear God and want to keep His commandments. Wednesday Night Live, uh, we've talked about this probably enough, but please join me as we talk about the apostasy that led to Catholicism and then Reformation broke off. Catholicism basically gives birth to the Reformation movement, etc. But we need to be part of the Restoration movement, as it started all the way back in the beginning. People who want to get back to the one true church. That's what we need to be. And I'm talking about that on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock live on Facebook and other social media outlets. And so if you would, join me for that. Okay. And then lastly, don't forget your Sunday home church worship guide that I try to give you. I'll step out of the way so that you can go ahead and take a screenshot of that. You got it? All right, it's time to get into our sermon segment, so I'm going to move along. Lord's Day Live sermon segment. I am so thankful that you're with me this morning. Got a really good chapter in the book of Genesis to discuss as far as application. All of them are good, obviously, but applications that you can, well, this is going to pop. You're going to say, ah, yeah, I see that one. We are dealing in Genesis chapter 42 this morning. Genesis applied. We're going to take chapter 42 and see what applications we can draw to our own personal Christian walk. Here are the five questions that I always provide for the School of Biblical Studies and those of you who are just studying along on your own. Go ahead and screenshot that. And we'll move into the lesson this morning. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to... 
I'm going to title this particular lesson, Tough Love is Still Love. I think chapter 42 might be one of the best chapters in, in the whole Bible for us to discuss the idea of tough love. And Joseph is going to be the deliverer of tough love. Really powerful passage, though. And I know that there are many parents, grandparents, etc., that are struggling with, with children, perhaps have gone off into drug abuse or whatever it may be. And you're really struggling with how do you bring them back to the Lord? What can I do? Well, this lesson is going to, I think, make direct applications to some of, of you all and how that uh, you need to react and, and deal with individuals who are in sinful life, lifestyles such as that. In Genesis chapter 42, verses 1 through 4, it says, Jacob learned there was grain for sale in Egypt. And he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? What are you doing standing around here looking at each other? And he said, behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Important part of the story. Only 10 of them go. There's 12 altogether, right? 10 of them go. Joseph's done gone. They're fixing to meet up with him, but they don't know it's Joseph. They think he's dead. So Joseph's gone. That makes 11. And then, but Jacob did not send Benjamin. He's the 12th. Joseph's brother with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. So this trip, Joseph, or Benjamin's not going. All right. Now, it plays a real important part in what we're going to see here with regards to tough love. But this trip, Benjamin doesn't show up. So 10 brothers are going down to Egypt to see if they can buy some grain. Tough love. First thing I want you to notice is that Joseph saw God's leading. His tough love evidently was prompted by what he sees God doing in the situation. I think this is a very, very important application because sometimes I think we, uh, we call it tough love when it's actually just us striking out. It's us, it, it's, it's us trying, to, trying to levy some kind of a punishment that really wasn't for you and I to decide. We've got to really be careful, parents, grandparents, and others, that in our tough love, that we see God's prompting in the need to be tough with our love. Notice the, the text here that I pulled out of chapter 42. Now, Joseph was governor of the land. He was one who, had, who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and they bowed themselves before him. Hold on to that thought. With their faces to the ground, Joseph saw his brothers and he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where did you? Where do you come from? He said. They said we come from the land of Canaan to buy grain. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. So that's important too. So Joseph sees what's going on. They don't. And verse nine is very key to this point. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. When did what prompted Joseph to think of those dreams? Joseph's brothers come. Joseph recognizes his brothers. They don't recognize him, but one of the first things his brothers do is fulfill the dreams that he had years ago. They bow before him. My point is that Joseph recognized God's leading in this. Now, the entire life of Joseph, admittedly, is full of the leadership of God. I mean, you go all the way back to, to Potiphar and him rising to the place where he would be the one who's in charge of the whole household. Then he gets put, you know, falsely accused, put into jail, and he becomes the guy who runs the whole jail system. And then he's got the two guys that he interprets the dreams, one of which goes back to the to Pharaoh, and later, much later, he finally remembers Joseph. Joseph gets pulled out, and he begin, he interprets the dreams of, of Pharaoh by the help of God. And all of a sudden, he's second in command. So the entire life of Joseph is full of God leading. But you and I tend to watch Joseph's life like we read a novel, as if everything's happening, bop, 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 bop. 
But we got to remember that Scripture indicates that he was taken captive or traded by his brothers, sold by his brothers, about 17. And we know that he comes into command about 30. So over 10 years, this young man has struggled with the process of God in his life, and then really beyond that, all right? But my point is that as he sees his brothers come in, and no doubt prompted by them bowing, he is reflecting upon the dreams, and he recognizes that he sees God's leadership in this. Always test your motives. As you're about to exert tough love, test your motives. I haven't always been good at this, and I apologize to those who I've hurt when I've had bad motives. But if we test our motives, and we believe that it's God who is prompting us to be tough in our love, then we can be assured that what we're doing is appropriate, and it will bring the results that God desires to bring to bear on this particular situation. Notice that he is going to speak roughly to them. So we've got tough love happening. As Joseph, step number one, he looks for God's leading. He sees God's leading, and therefore he is tough in his love. I said something just this morning, earlier on in our Sunday school class, and I posted it this morning. It sounded a little bit tough. Uh, it, it sounded like a little bit harsh. You know, here we are in the midst of the beginning of a war, and, and as we're seeing this transpire on our planet, and we're all concerned, I said to, to folks, as I put it on social media, and as I said in the Bible class, some of us need to consider our Christianity. Some of us are way too content with just going to the, to the vanity building and sitting in a pew facing the back of the head of the fellow in front of us and, and acting like we're paying off God because we spent an hour or two listening to some boring sermon or whatever it may be. It's time for us to up our game. I'm, I'm, I'm truly afraid that many of us in the church today are like the five foolish virgins, and we don't have enough oil. I beg of you to recognize that there are times when we see God's leading, that we've got to speak harshly, strong, poignant, right at the, we got to say it. And I'm telling you right now, as our world erupts in war, I'm telling you, it's time for Christians to get off their backside and stop being convenient in their Christianity and recognize we need to be intimate in our time with God. That's why I called the folks earlier. I said, look, you need to bring your family together in the intimacy of your living room and have some real prayer time up approaching the, the, the throne of God because of the conditions of our world today and what's going to happen to your children, etc. Much of that intimacy cannot be experienced in corporate Christianity sitting in a pew. My question is, at what point do you ever get to the point where you recognize the need for change, you recognize the leadership of God, and you'll speak the blunt truth? My ministry has hurt horribly over the last five or six years because we have been willing to speak the blunt truth. We have lost, I, I would say it's easy, I think I could easily say we've lost over half of our support over the last five years because of the blunt truth, which God continues to validate, but nobody seems to want to hear. If you see God's leading and your motives of the heart are correct, you need to speak bluntly. Have tough love. Number two, he didn't just see God's leading. He tested the sincerity of those that he was hoping to bring or see if they have come to a proper relationship with God. He said to them, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you've come. He's accusing them of being spies. And they said, we're your servants. We're your servants. We're, we're, 
excuse me, we, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest in the, is this day with our father, and one is no more. The youngest, of course, is Benjamin. The one who is no more is the guy they're talking to, Joseph, but they don't know that. But Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, your spies. But this shall be tested. Excuse me, by this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. And so he's going to tell them, essentially, I need you to, uh, I want to see this, this youngest brother. And so what you find in the second part of our story is that Joseph's going to put them to the test. He's going to test their sincerity. So moms, dads, uh, grandparents, uh, working with individuals who are difficult, perhaps individuals I have worked in my lifetime, I've worked with several who, who struggle with drug abuse, and uh, they tend to go in cycles. They can be on fire for the Lord and trying to get in there and repent, and then they're off, and they're, they're gone, and, and you, you we tend, to, we tend to give up on people like that. Perhaps you've seen an individual who will come back, they'll, they'll respond to the invitation, they'll come back to the Lord's church, and, and for you know three or four years they're just on fire doing good things, and then slowly they peter out and they, they go off into the world again. And then they come back, and it's through that cycle. We tend to give up on folks like that. And God forgive us for doing that. Life is tough. And for those of you, you and I who have been playing the game, as it were, throughout our history as Christians, as if we have never walked away from the Lord, you can sit in a pew and walk away from the Lord. We need to be careful as we make these judgments. The second thing that Joseph does, though, is he tests their sincerity. And if you find a sincere heart that is crumbled before God, wanting repentance, you must not say, yeah, but six months from now, you're probably going to walk out the doors and never be back again for another two or three years. You can't do that. Their heart right now is sincere. It's broken before the, the God of heaven, and you need to make sure that you, as you test them for their sincerity and you find that there is sincerity there, you need to come to their aid. Number three, Joseph is going to demand a sacrificial proof of their sincerity. Then he said to one of they, then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul. They're speaking about Joseph, when he begged us and we did not listen. Probably as they're hearing him beg from the bottom of that well, that bottom of that pit, and he's begging, brothers, don't do this. He said, We didn't listen. That is why the distress has come upon us. They have concluded that their brother Joseph, who they don't even know where he's at, they have no clue that they're actually standing in front of him. This all stuff. This this is all coming on us because of that horrible thing we did to our brother years ago. And Reuben answered them as if this is going to help. I told you so. Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. So Reuben kind of he he nails it. He says this is all coming down upon us because we did not listen. They did not know that Joseph understood them. For there was an interpreter between them. Remember, at this point, they, they have no clue that it's, that it's Joseph. He's all dolled up, no doubt, in the in the dress of Egypt, etc., etc. And there's this interpreter. He's, no doubt, speaking Joseph, that is. He's speaking the language of Egypt. They're not speaking that language. And so they feel like that they've got to... Eh, sometimes I'll go and eat at a Mexican restaurant. love Mexican food. And sometimes the waiter uh, will, will speak to another waiter in Spanish. And I don't, I don't understand it, but my, my boys and, and my wife, they've studied a little bit of Spanish. And some of them, they can pick up on some words that are going there. And, and you know, they, 
as you pick up on some of these words, sometimes, you know, you wonder whether or not they're actually being complimentary towards somebody else, you know? Well, that's what's happening here. Joseph doesn't let them know. I, I understand. He doesn't let them know right now. In fact, watch what happens. There was an interpreter between them. They don't know it's Joseph. And it says that Joseph then turns away from them and he weeps. You know why he weeps? Because he loves his brothers. This is tough love. He loves his brothers. And he's weeping because he recognizes that they recognize what they have done. And they're sorry for it. He weeps. But I want you to notice what he does next. In spite of the fact that he recognizes and he's weeping about it, notice what he does next. He goes by and weeps. Then he returns to them and he speaks to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. The plan is still ongoing. The fact that he has recognized that they have had some remorse doesn't end the test, the situation. He demands a sacrificial proof. And the sacrificial proof is actually bigger than Simeon. But Simeon's going to stay behind. And then they're going to go home and eventually run out of food and going to have to come back with Benjamin. That will be the big one. Whether or not they recognize, whether they are able to convince Daddy to bring Benjamin down. And that sacrificial experience is going to what's going to put the nail, if you will, in the... And Joseph, uh, at that point, Joseph's going to, he's going to say to them, I'm your brother. And then they're all going to weep because of what took place, okay? But he demands sacrificial proof. So if you're dealing with somebody who's struggling with whatever it may be, drug abuse or, or you know, self-destructive lifestyles, that kind of thing, look for God's leading. When God opens that door, you step in and be willing to be blunt if necessary. Tough love. Test the sincerity of the person at the moment. It doesn't mean that these individuals are not going to fall back into it because it seems to be life the way that we often do that. We fall back into our ruts. But the fact is they're sincere right now, and if they are, celebrate that sincerity. And then demand some sacrificial proof. One of the reasons that our accountability groups, um, you know, whatever it happens to be, one of the reasons they work is because there is the sacrificial admission of who you are and the struggles that you have. And the individual that you are accountable to, who's looking out for you and checks in on you several times a week or whatever it may be. Or, and if you find yourself being tempted to go back into that lifestyle, you know you can reach out to them and they'll be there just to support you, etc. Demand sacrificial proof that we're going to make progress on this. That's what Joseph did, and it worked with his brothers. We'll see that next chapter. So there's your three points for today. Tough love, it's still love. It may be a difficult love to express because as a parent, tough love is one of those, you, you don't want to do that, but it may be the only way you're going to get through. And so if you're going to practice tough love, make sure that you also practice these three points that you can find in Genesis chapter 42. Here are the five questions we tried to cover. Screenshot that. We'll move along. Boy, I appreciate you all for being with me. Thank you so much. I love you. Sonny Chow saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26. For those of you who continue to support us, thank you, thank you. I have been that guy who speaks bluntly, and I have been that guy who has lost a lot of support because I've done so. I try every day to, I try to judge my motives, 
look at my motives. Why are you saying that? Why are you posting that? I'm not always perfect. I'm not always, I don't always get it right, but I'm trying very hard. Would you pray for our ministry? And if you can, remember us in your giving. It's the Lord's Day. And in this very difficult Sunday when bombs are falling and men are fighting there in Israel against the Hamas and various things are transpiring, I would ask you to remember that it is essentially important that you have your intimate time with your family. Don't count on some big corporate gathering to give them the spiritual nourishment that they need. Those situations are largely fellowship. What you need is to gather your family together in the intimacy of your living room, and you need to call out to God that he will protect and bless your family. Keep it simple, innocent, and meaningful. Thank you for being here today. Sonny Child saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26.